0: Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. Hey, when you're done listening to this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content. Our app is actually the best place to keep up with everything going on at Hope. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy!
1: What's up, Hope Community Church? What's up, Hope? What's up to all of our folks watching online at GetHope.tv? What's up to every single person watching at one of our physical campuses? Uh, I am excited to be able to continue this series, and it has been a phenomenal series. Uh, We're continuing our stroll through the wilderness, and the last few weeks have been amazing. Uh, That first week, we got to hear from Chase Garner, and even a couple weeks after that, our teaching pastor. And I learned a ton. And then last week, we got to hear from Aaron Nelson from our Apex Campus. And this has been just an absolutely wonderful series. Uh, I have, again, learned a ton. Uh, one of the things that I've learned the most throughout this whole series, this might actually surprise you, but I think that there are some folks who are probably with me, uh, is that I don't really like the wilderness. <laughs> like like, like, like I'm, I'm not a fan of the wilderness at all. Like, uh, I don't like anything really about the wilderness, whether it's a physical wilderness or a spiritual wilderness. I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, that first week when Chase shared a message, he talked about how it was so beautiful at Joshua Tree National Park. And there were uh, the sun and the, or excuse me, the stars were amazing. It looked just wonderful. Uh, what he didn't tell you is that there were animals out there waiting for Chase to fall asleep so they could eat him. Like, that, that's what happens in the wilderness. Like, here's an idea. Uh, let's just go past all the hotels and sleep outside for some odd reason. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Dwayne, you're, you're a military guy. But what you don't know is that they made me go into the wilderness. I, I, I didn't want to be out there. Like, I, I don't like it. I'm a city kid. I'm not a big fan. You know what I do like, though? Um, if you heard Aaron's message last week, he said he wasn't a big fan of NASCAR. I love NASCAR. Like, it's amazing. I, I like 178 left turns. They're, they're, they're wonderful to watch on Saturday morning. <laughs> but I'm not a big fan of the wilderness. And there's some reasons why I'm not a big fan of the wilderness. I've spent a lot of time both in physical and spiritual wildernesses throughout my life. And I haven't always loved what happens as a result. You see, when I'm out in those moments, when I'm in those wilderness moments, what I feel is something that I don't always like because I'm out there and I feel like I'm a little bit by myself and I'm not really sure when it's gonna end. And I don't even really know what to do all the time in those moments. You see, when you get to those moments in the wilderness, what you find out out is that in the wilderness we meet face to face with all of our weaknesses. And all the things that we hold dear, all the stuff that we use to comfort ourselves other than God, all of those things get stripped away from us in the wilderness and we find ourselves with just us in the wilderness. And certainly we know that God has got to be somewhere near, uh, but we're not always sure of how he's going to rescue us from those moments. So I've grown to not really like the wilderness all that much because I'm confronted with my own moments of weakness. And it's okay to admit that you're weak And, and I'm a big strong guy physically, but man, at the end of the day, I'm not a big fan of feeling or experiencing any sense of weakness. And for me, I've begun to equate my wilderness to that feeling of weakness. And there's just one problem with that. The wilderness is not always a place where we experience weakness. Uh, As a matter of fact, the thing that we've been trying to share throughout this series is that the wilderness can actually be a place of incredible strength. It's a place of testing. It's a place where oftentimes we can come out much stronger than we started. And I know what you're thinking, like, man, well, how do I get to that kind of wilderness? How do I get to those moments of strength? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's exactly what I want to share with you today. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter four. And we're gonna look a little bit at the life of Jesus. Now, if you have your Bibles, would you open them up? But if you don't have them, just know that it'll be on the screens at your campus if you're at one of our physical campuses. And if you're watching at gethope.tv, it's gonna be on on your screen as well. So we're gonna start with verse one in just a moment. But before we get there, I wanna kind of set the stage for you just a little bit and tell you what's happening. Uh, When you look at passages, in the Bible, you want to get the whole context of what's going on. And so a good way to do that is maybe to look at a verse before it and even maybe at times look at a verse just after it. And so before we get to Matthew chapter four, verse one, I kind of want to tell you what's happening here. Jesus is in what we call his baptism moment in chapter three. And he's about to be baptized, and so he's in the water, right? And he's there with John the Baptist. And it's probably one of the most incredible scenes that we have ever seen in the Bible. It's an amazing thing that happens in this moment in chapter 3. He's standing there in the water. John the Baptist is next to him. And then the Holy Spirit actually descends on him like a dove. And then heaven opens up, and a voice from heaven says audibly, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Talk about your words of affirmation. (laughs) I think those are the words that every child would want to hear at some point. This is my son, this is my daughter, with whom I am well pleased. Well, that's what Jesus experiences in his moment of baptism. And then right from that moment, he moves to the wilderness. And so he goes from like the water, this amazing moment into the wilderness. He goes from like this perfect moment of community with the Trinity into this isolation in the middle of the wilderness where it's just him and the wilderness, right? And so he moves straight from the water into the wilderness. And I know that feels weird. That sounds weird. But I think we all experience those kinds of moments where everything seems to be going right, right? Everything seems to be going great. And all of a sudden, life turns on a dime and we find ourselves in our wilderness moment. Uh, Let me give you some examples of what I mean. Uh, uh, Like like maybe you have been preparing for a job and you are so ready to move up and you've been working hard and you've been doing everything you can to move up in your company and you are the next person in line for promotion. and, And then all of a sudden, right before you get promoted, it gets snatched away from you and somebody else gets the job and you are stuck in the wilderness of a job that you don't even want anymore from the water to the wilderness. Uh, let me give you another example. Like, let's just say you have a child who's 16, 17, 18 years old and you've been pouring and investing to them, into them and them their whole lives. And then all of a sudden, when they get to be 16, 17, 18, they find a new boyfriend or girlfriend and everything that you've poured into them, they seem like they were responding. But all of a sudden, their life has just gone off the rails from the water to the wilderness. Or maybe you are in a position where you have trusted somebody and this happens a lot in churches, if I'm honest, and you have trusted your friend or maybe it's a spouse or maybe it's a relationship that you're in and you gave them great trust and everything seemed great. But for whatever reason, they've broken that trust and you're trying to restore the trust, but they don't seem to be very trustworthy and your world has just been rocked by their decisions from the water to the wilderness. Well, that's exactly what's happening here. Jesus is going from this moment where everything is great and he's moving to this moment that's a wilderness moment And here's what it says when we get to chapter four, verse one, we're just going to look at verse one for just a moment and kind of see what it says. Here's what it says. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let's just stop right there because there's a lot there to unpack. Uh, that's a lot that's going on right now. Now, first we see that Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But we see why he's led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. It says to be tempted by the devil. And, and you see, when I was a kid growing up, I had a really skewed view of the devil and I don't know about you, but maybe you have the same kind of view. Uh, everything that I learned about the devil when I was a child came from Tom and Jerry cartoons. And if, if you're too young to remember that, it's it just a mouse and a cat beating each other senseless which is what my parents allowed me to watch for some reason. (laughs) But but either way, that's where I learned my images of the devil. You see, Tom and Jerry always had this thing on their shoulder that was kind of like a beast-like figure. And it was telling them what to do all the time. And so uh, there was this image of what I thought the devil actually looked like. And it always looked the same. It was an animal, right? It had like horns. It had a pointy tail. And it always, for some reason, was wearing red tights, only red tights. Okay, so it was like the Duke Blue Devil, but with red tights. And probably better at football, too. Probably better at football. Sorry, that was free. <laughs> But no, that was the image I had. I told you my image was skewed. And the more I spent time in the word of God and I started to read the Bible, the more I realized that there is actually a very real devil. Uh, The devil's greatest trick is to get you to think that he doesn't exist. But the Bible gives a clear picture of what the devil actually looks like. The Bible describes Satan as a couple things. It describes him as a liar, as a tempter, as a deceiver, as an accuser. But most importantly, as an enemy of God, a relentless enemy of God, an enemy who wants to see you fail in the mission that God has you on. You see, that's the real devil and that's the the battle that Jesus is having with the devil here. And then that passage says that he was out there to be tempted by the devil. Now, that word tempted is really important to analyze because that word tempted is a Greek word. It's the word parazo. It means to make proof of. It means to attempt a test. It means to actually be tempted, but also to be tested. And so when Jesus is in this wilderness moment, what he's experiencing there is he's experiencing a test. This is a test. And I haven't always been a big fan of tests. Like uh, when I was in high school, I remember like struggling with test moments because I knew that one thing was going to happen. As I took that test, everything that I knew and that I didn't know was going to be revealed. And so I wasn't a big fan of tests. I knew that it was going to point to the areas where I was struggling, where the areas where I was weak and the areas where I was strong. And that wasn't a lot of areas. I'm going to tell you right now. You see, Jesus is led into this moment. He doesn't get there by accident. He doesn't just find himself there by chance or circumstance. He's actually led by the Holy Spirit into this moment to be tested. And there are multiple tests that we're gonna unpack. And this leads me kind of into a question throughout this whole message tonight. I'm going to ask you some pretty direct questions, and I'm not expecting you to answer them in this moment. But I know that we're going to respond by answering them with how we actually live our lives when we leave our physical campuses or when we leave our house. And so here's the first of those questions that I have for you. Do you expect tests of your faith? Do you expect to be tested as a follower of Jesus? Because if Jesus was led into this moment where he was going to be tested, and I think it lends itself to tell us that if they tested Jesus, then we will also be tested in our faith. And a lot of times when we hear about following Jesus, we think that it's going to be this footloose and fancy free kind of life without any tests, without any circumstances, without any consequences. But the truth is, is that we will experience a ton of testing in our relationship with Jesus. You know, I love the way John Maxwell says it. He says that a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that probably can't be trusted. So we should expect tests. As I said before, the tests have a way uh, of revealing who we are. It has a way of showing us areas in our lives where we might be weak or we might need some strengthening. And so let me just ask this question as a follow-up. I told you there were going to be many questions. Let me ask this one as a follow-up. Could your current wilderness season, the wilderness you're going through right now, could could it be a test? Could God have led you into this moment to test where you are? Could he be trying to show you something? Could he, could he be trying to help you through something in life? Could he be trying to strengthen you for the road that he, know he knows he has you on? Could it just be a, a test? Because that's exactly what Jesus endures in this moment. And it takes us right to verse 2. And here's what it says in uh, verse 2. It says, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Translation, no bacon for Jesus, none at all. Not sure if Jesus ate bacon, but that's funny. He's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, then tell these stones to become like bread. And Jesus answers and said, This it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the devil walks up to Jesus and he offers this test to him. He says, hey, if you're really God, then here's what I want you to do. Go ahead and misuse your power and do something that I want you to do instead of what God wants you to do. So he walks up on him and says, hey, turn these stones into Panera Bread and everything's going to be great. Like like if you're God, everything's going to be awesome. And Jesus just kind of looks at him and says like, no, no, no. Um, I know you're concerned with my physical need, but I'm more concerned with my spiritual need right now. And man doesn't live on just bread alone. You see, in this moment, Jesus has a choice and he chooses to honor God. And he responds by saying, no, 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 it's not just this one thing. It's this whole thing that we are. You see, humans are more than just flesh. We're also spirit. And so he says, listen, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going to do that because I'm on mission for God. Man doesn't live by bread alone. And I know that all of us have moments like that, where we're tempted to just do what feels right in the moment. We're tempted to kind of respond in a way that appeases the physical part of ourselves. But at the end of the day, we have to realize that it's more than just our physical bodies. There's also a spiritual part of who we are. And so when this test is offered, Jesus just responds. Man doesn't live by bread alone. And and you would think that that would be the end of it, right? Like like it would all stop there. He, He responds, but the enemy just keeps coming after Jesus. And he offers this next step in verse three. Here's what he says. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said these words, if you are the son of God, then throw yourself down. For it is written, and he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So he offers them food in this first test. And Jesus kind of pushes that back. So he tries again. And he tells him, "Here's what I want you to do. Just go to the top of this thing and just jump off." And he offers him something that, if we're listening, sounds pretty ridiculous to us, right? Like Like, why would Jesus take on that thing? And I know it sounds kind of silly to even say something like that, but how many things do we hear that sound silly when we say them out loud, but for some reason, we still do them? <laughs> Let me give you some examples. <laughs> And I would experience this the other night myself, like, hey, I, I knew I hung out for two nights in a row, uh, but it's OK. I'm just going to hang with the fellas for one more night. Uh, I'm sure my wife will understand and my kids don't really need me around. <laughs> it sounds silly when you say it, right? <laughs> I was here the other night and I was working late and, and I was writing this message and I closed everything and went home because <laughs> I was so convicted by that reality. Uh, Let me give you another one. Uh, Hey, I I know that my book club loves to talk and my small group loves to talk uh, about their husbands in negative ways. But I'm just going to pile on our minds, too, because I'm sure to help our marriage, it'll be great. Sounds silly, doesn't it? But oftentimes we do it. Hey, hey, here's another one. This is a good one. I know I'm at work, but I'm not sure I'm going to actually work at work. And I'm sure that because of my bad attitude and my failure to do my job, that they're going to know I'm a Christian. I'm sure of that. It's going to be great. Everything's going to work out. It's going to be awesome. You see, there are so many times when we are tempted to do something that when we say it out loud, it doesn't even make any sense. And that's what's happening here. Uh, he, Jesus is being offered a test and he simply answers by saying, well, here's the thing. It is also written. Do not put the Lord your God to a test. You see, in this passage, two things are happening. First, Jesus is being tempted to do something that's outside of his mission and outside of his character. Uh, But second, the devil is actually trying to twist scripture for his own gain. And this is not a new trick. This is not a new thing. The devil's been doing this for a long time. In the book of G- Genesis, Eve is actually tempted in this same way, where he takes scripture and he twists it. What scripture you ask? Well, the things that Jesus responds with, those are actually Bible verses from the book of Deuteronomy. You see, these aren't any responses. He is quoting scripture in the face of his test. And this is the right way to respond. So let me just just ask this question. How would you respond? How do you respond when you're tempted like this? How do you respond to these kinds of tests when you find yourself in these moments? uh, Do you choose to just simply do what feels good for you in that moment? or, Or do you respond like Jesus and stand on God's word? And here's the thing, in order to stand on God's word, we have to actually know God's word. You know, as a pastor, I I get confronted by this question all the time. Uh, Dwayne, how much should I study my Bible? Like how much should I read my Bible? Should I read it once a day? Should I read it once a week? And I always respond in the same way. You should read your Bible enough that it becomes a part of who you are. You see, if you notice in this passage, Jesus is not fumbling for scriptures. He simply responds with the word of God. And he responds that way because it's a part of who he is. You see, here's this thing about knowing our Bible. The primary defense against temptation and testing has always been and will always be the word of God. It's a part of our strong foundation that we find in Jesus. And so when moments like this come up, our first best response is to respond simply with the word of God. And as I asked earlier, how do you respond? Do these tests and temptations take you out of your character? Or do you respond by standing on the word of God? Because that's what Jesus did. He stood on the word of God. And then we look at, Verse 8, and here's what it says. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. This is that last test that we see. He took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said, all of this I will give to you. He said, I, all of this I'll give to you if you will bow down and simply choose to worship me. I'll give you all of this. I'll give you all of this splendor. I'll give you these mountains. I'll give you all of this stuff. Look, as far as you can see, all of this can be yours, but the price is that you have to bow down and you have to worship me. And I know this, again, seems like another weird thing. Uh, because uh, we have areas of our lives that are similar to this, but maybe not exactly the same. But let me me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, There are all these things in our lives where people tempt us to do something that we're not really 100 percent sure that we want to do. And he takes Jesus to this moment where he has to look out and see all of this stuff and he offers it to him. But what he has to do in response is to bow down to the one that he doesn't want to bow down to. It reminds me of a song when I was growing up. Now, I grew up in the 1970s and the 1980s, right? And so, there was all these like R&B singers who had songs out, and that was like my thing. Like I love listening to music. I still love music. And so, in the 1970s and 1980s, there was this guy named Babyface. Anybody ever heard of Babyface? Like he's an R&B singer, had a smooth, soulful sound, right? Uh, almost like the smooth sounds of Sam Cannoli. Like, all right. He, he just had a way of saying things. And there were these lyrics in the song. And I, I remember him saying this. Now, I kind of want to sing this, but I need you to set the tempo. Right. So if I'm going to sing this, you all got to tell me it's OK. Is it OK for me to sing this song? Yep. OK. All right. All right. Let me preface it by saying this. If I sing this, there may or may not be wolves surrounding your campus looking for a mate. because I ain't no Sam (laughs) that. But but here's what Babyface says in the song. He says, I'll give you the sun, the moon, the wind, the rain, and the mountains. I'll give you the world and all that you hope for, and even more. I remember singing this song. (laughs) Y'all are way too kind. (laughs) Y'all are way too kind. I remember singing this song to my wife and her being like, could you just do the dishes? Like, 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 can you start with the dishes or like put your clothes in the hamper, like and not on the floor? That would be amazing. Because here's what she knew. She knew that I couldn't give her any of that. Like, I I couldn't give her the moon, the stars, the mountains. I couldn't give any of that stuff. I was promising something that I could not deliver on. And this is exactly what the devil is doing. You see, he's promising something that he can't deliver on. And Jesus hears this. And Jesus responds very simply. He says to him, away from me, Satan for it is written to worship the Lord your God and to serve him only. And then the Bible says that the devil left him and the angels came and they immediately started attending to him. You see, this guy is offering something. The devil's offering something that that, that he can't actually give God. And I know that sounds crazy, but here's the thing. He's offering something that he can't actually give Jesus because Jesus is one with God. And he knows that the devil can't offer him things. And so he's sitting here listening to that, but he knows that it's false. And I know that sounds crazy, like, but here's my question about that. Uh, What would the devil put in front of you to try to take you off of God's mission? What would the devil test you with? Uh, Because maybe it's power. Uh, Maybe you lead a business or you lead a company and you keep trying to get to that next thing and that next thing and that next thing. And so the enemy knows that you want power. He knows that you want to be an authority. And so maybe he tempts you with that to get you off of God's mission. Uh, What's the thing that he would put in front of you? Uh, Maybe for you it's not power. Maybe you've become a little bit of a people pleaser. So over and over and over again, you keep filling your schedule with appointment after appointment after appointment. And you know you can't meet all the people around you's needs, but you keep trying trying and trying and trying because for some reason you think that's the way to do it what would he tempt you with maybe maybe you're a person who just is just so in love with your likes and your followers that you've begun to sacrifice and jeopardize your character to get what you want maybe he's Offering you something that is taking you off of God's mission. And you see, here's the thing. I I know that sometimes that happens, right? I I know that sometimes uh, you are faced with an issue that, that maybe you don't even know how you got there in that moment. But you're confronted with whether to follow God or to do what seems to feel good. And it's in those moments that you have to realize that even though you are weak, uh, God has the power and the ability to make you strong, probably stronger than you could ever imagine. But there's a response required to get to that place. And so for the rest of our time here, I want to share with you some tools that you can take with you as you exit that will hopefully hopefully help you to have that kind of strength in the midst of your wilderness season. So here's the first one. I want to encourage you today to submit yourselves completely to God and to resist the devil because I believe that in resisting the devil, that he will flee from you. You see, Jesus does exactly that. He resists the devil and the devil just flees. Uh, It reminds me of a passage in James, that passage in James says that, that you can just resist the devil and he will flee, but you have to pick up the fight. And start the effort towards resistance. You have to choose to resist the devil. Here's another one for you. You have to be honest about your areas of weakness in the wilderness. Let me say it again. You have to be honest about your areas of weakness in the wilderness. If I were to ask you, What is an area of weakness in your life right now? Something would pop up, something would pop up, something would come to your mind and that area is popping up in your mind because it's probably an area that you need to be strengthened in. And so maybe, just maybe, you need to begin to pray about that area. Maybe, just maybe, you need to find some accountability partners. Maybe you need to get into the word of God and you need to study it for yourself. Whatever it is, I know that there's a response required. Hey, here's another thing that you can do in order to be ready for the battle, in order to find strength in your wilderness. Uh, you can expect tests and you can be ready for those tests by studying the knowing the word of God and applying the word of God to how you actually live. And can I just say like, they have made it so easy for us nowadays, to get into the word of God. You can put it on every device you have. And the Bible app is completely free. And listen, if you're at one of our physical campuses or if you're watching online, just know that we would love to help you to get a Bible. So if you're at one of our physical campuses, you can stop at our next steps area and we will be glad to help you get a Bible. If you're watching online, just let somebody know in the chat that you need a Bible. and We're gonna do everything we can to make sure that you get one because we need to know and be able to apply the very word of God. And here's the last thing. We need to place our trust in Jesus because Jesus has already been tested. He's already been tested by the devil. And as we can see from everything captured in this passage, he stood strong. You see, when we get to these wilderness moments, the the temptation that we have it is to try to do it all on our own. So we start just doing things, right? We, we just start doing things and trying things. We start calling people. We start doing everything that we can to try to solve the problem on our own. You know what a good indication of somebody who's trying to solve the problem for themselves? They're exhausted. So we just get tired. And maybe it's time to just stop being tired and instead to choose to trust Jesus. Maybe it's time to just put your trust and your hope in Jesus because he's already overcome these battles that we're facing. He's already been tested by the devil and he came out strong. And if we ever hope to have that kind of strength, it's only gonna come with our trust in Jesus. You know, I love the way the apostle Paul puts this. He gives us this great posture and how we can respond in 2 Corinthians. And I have kind of used this verse as a power verse multiple times throughout my life when I have realized that, man, I am weak in the wilderness. Here's what Paul says. He says that my power, is made perfect in weakness. And so he's learned to actually boast all the more gladly about his weakness so that Christ's power, so that the power of God can actually rest upon him. He goes on to say, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness. I've learned to actually find joy in insults and in hardships and in persecutions and in difficulties because when I'm weak and I am strong. I told you at the beginning of the service that, that uh, there was going to be a response required to every single question That we asked and we talked about the idea that, man, you would want to know how to have this kind of strength, even in the midst of your wilderness moment. How do I have strength in weakness? Well, it's only by placing your trust completely in the one who has already beat the devil. You got to place your trust completely in Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, <laughs> there are always going to be tests, but it's okay. Because those tests are going to make you stronger. Those tests are going to keep you on the mission that Jesus has us all on. And I told you at the beginning of service that uh, there was, there was going to be a bunch of questions that you were going to have an opportunity to respond to those questions. Well, here's the last question. How are you going to respond? If you're in your wilderness moment, my prayer is that you're going to respond through faith in Jesus Christ. And that you're going to allow him to walk you out of this wilderness season with the strength that only he can provide. I just want to take a moment to pray. So y'all join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you so much for showing us that we can have strength even in our weakest moments. Thank you for showing us that as we stand on your word, that everything that's there is true. And that if we apply it to how we live our lives, that even in the seasons where our life takes a turn that we don't expect, we can find strength in you. Father God, help us to live in light of the truth that you have already beat the devil in his own game, and that if we walk with you, we get to walk in that same victory. We thank you.
0: In Jesus' name, we pray. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.